Hey there, welcome to another episode of Offstage. So glad you are with us today. My name is R.D. McClenaghan. I lead the young adult ministry here at Fellowship Middlebrook and serve on the teaching team. And as always, by my side in life and in the, <laughs> in the podcast is the one, the only. I'm Greg Finkner. <laughs> Let me go ahead and apologize because this is going to be a Wheels Off episode. We have already lost it. We have. I am Greg And Finkner. that's why they're here. That's right. That's I am the Greg content Finkner. they're here for. I am Greg Finkner. I am the lead teaching pastor at Fellowship Middlebrook in Knoxville, Tennessee. We are glad you're joining us today on Offstage. And, you know, we did an episode in season one about the Bible, Greg, and it was one of our most popular episodes about the authority of it, the inerrancy of it, the sufficiency of it, all the uh, things that make up the Bible. But we have not really done a deep dive into how to study the Bible. Right. How do you go about studying the Bible? That episode is so helpful to learn more about the history of the Bible, the reliability of the Bible, but we just touched a bit on how to study it. And so today we thought we would actually dive into kind of the, the first two-thirds of the podcast is just how to study the Bible, ways to study the Bible, uh, again, probably hitting what the Bible is really about, and then kind of closing with some ways that you and I personally study the Bible, ways we found to engage the Scripture. So hopefully there's some great um, things we share today that you can take just in general and also personally from us that might be might be helpful. So Greg, something uh, all people that love Jesus should be people of the Word right? and should know and love the Word of God. But I think we'd both admit it. we live in a culture that has a ton of Bibles everywhere, but few people that are truly people of the Word. Right. Who know, probably as, you know, just fewer people than ever who know a lot of the stories of the Bible, are shaped by the Bible, even at a church like, I think we would have a reputation of being a Bible-teaching church. Um, and yet still meeting all kinds of people who've been here for a while who right. are still just like, I don't really study. I don't know where to begin. So it's a huge topic. What might, where might you want to start today when we approach how to study the Bible? You know, I, man, there's just, there's so much to cover and and that's why we're going to be here for a while. Yep. Um, you know, I think one of the, the metaphors I use with people about studying the Bible is, uh, studying the Bible is like, uh, being a gold miner. And what I mean by that is, you can absolutely pick up your Bible and start reading and you're going to start finding nuggets just laying, laying out there somewhere. Uh, it's be like walking along a riverbed somewhere yep. and there's just a gold nugget laying on the, the, the ground. You found it. Yep. You can absolutely do that. And as you are, especially a young Christian or just starting your Bible study, that will happen a lot. You'll just start picking up random nuggets. But then eventually, all the nuggets that are laying out on the riverbed floor are gone. Yeah. Things you've run into. And if you want to have a gold mine, a thing that pays for your life, if you will, you're going to have to dig. You're going to have to dig down because that's where the truly deep veins of gold are. Mm -hmm. And that's Bible study. You can absolutely pick it up in the morning, read a little bit, find something that can kind of hit you for the moment. But if you want it yeah. to sustain your life, you are going to have to learn to dig. Yeah. Um, and and uh, the work is worth it. You know, we're all busy. We're all tired. I get it. Um, but Bible study is not near as intimidating as you think it is. And the rewards of it are great enough to call you back to it. Yeah. Psalm 1 begins this way, Blessed is the man who walks on the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits 
sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. And all he does, he prospers. And I think that is obviously talking about the Bible, um, the law, right? The, the commands of God. I love Psalm 1. It's how the Psalms begin, which I think is important. But I love where um, the psalmist says, he's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit uh, in its season. And so often, you know, Greg, we've talked about this, I don't know on the podcast, but personally, is I think people can get intimidated or discouraged in reading the Bible because they maybe have come to the Bible and they've had a really dramatic uh, experience of encountering God. And it's just been, it's been amazing and it's been powerful. And then they come back again and again, trying to find another shell Right. And it just was never like that that one time. Right. And so then it's like, well, why am I, I don't even feel like anything's happening. There's nothing. And so often we come to the Bible to get an experience or a feeling. And when we don't get that, or we get bored, or we get distracted, it makes us less likely to go to the scriptures again. Right. And especially in a context, I, I think it's fair to say that we live in cultural Christianity still, where even worship services and so much of Christendom is built around emotional experiences. Sure. That feeling, just sitting down and re- opening up your Bible and reading it in a room feels boring. It feels like there's nothing happening. And right. Psalm 1 says, if you're in the Word and reading the Word, in season, the fruit is going to come. Right. And so one of my big principles for reading the Bible is reading it to encounter the God of the Bible. Right. Not to just get nuggets, not to just get some principles, but that through those principles or nuggets, you're actually encountering God. So whether you read one chapter a day or read a verse and say, I don't know what I really experienced. I didn't have, I didn't start crying. I didn't see anything descend from the heavens. You learned more about who God is. And that is a fundamental principle for studying the Bible is the Bible is a book about God, right. about what he's doing in the world. And every single book, every single chapter, no matter how obscure or how random, speaks to that reality. And if you're going to the Bible just for you and tips and nuggets, then you're going to be disappointed when you don't always find those every single time. Right, right. You know, and I would add to that and, and take it a step further, which is it's a book by God. When you read yes. the Bible, yeah. you need to be fundamentally committed to the vision and the version That's of true. understanding. The Bible is the Holy Spirit speaking through men at different times in different places, authoritatively yeah. uh, and with full power, which is, if you didn't get to listen to last season's uh, Bible podcast, I would highly recommend you listen to it as well, where we talk about infallibility and inerrancy yep. and those How kind you of things trust the Bible. Yep. and what they mean. But... Um, uh, you know, we have an intern program here at Fellowship, and uh, I spoke to the the intern every every year. So I speak to the intern program talking about the Bible. And this year, one of the things I, I walked them through was this understanding of the necessity of the Bible as an external witness to the voice of God, because the necessity of it is that when you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit speaks into your heart. And the Bible acts as a conversation between yeah. the Holy Spirit contained in the Bible and the Holy Spirit in your heart, and they confirm one another. They call to one another. Um, to starve yourself biblically is to starve 
the voice of the Holy Spirit in your own heart and mind, in fa- that infallible voice that can't be twisted by your own desires or wants. Yeah. And when you are reading the Bible, it call they call back and forth to each other, and it strengthens your understanding of that voice in your own heart. That's really helpful. Um, I mean, I think that that is you have to come with that conviction, and people will come. And we talked about in our Bible episode, people come with all kinds of different convictions to the Bible. And in reading the Bible, you do not check your your brain or your mind at the door. You come with your mind and your brain to think deeply about the things of God. But ultimately, the Bible is a story that God wrote about himself that he wanted to reveal about himself to people, that they could read and learn to know this story uh, about about that. And I think in, and I think we touched on it then, but it's great. You need to have a sense of what the Bible, actually is about the story of, of the Bible. It's not right. just 66 random stories. It's not just these things that don't really connect. Sometimes it's it, easy to look like that, but the Bible is a story about God making a good world, the fall, uh, redeeming people to be his own people, um, and then Christ coming and one day restoring all, all things. And that is 10 seconds of an overview but to have a sense of where you always are in the storyline and what to be looking for is, is something else that, that helps me in my own study is to know where I am in the story. I mean, where if you start a book and you don't start on page one, you can do that with the Bible and still know what you're doing, but you're not going to know the full story. And it's not going to have the power it could if you connect. How do Job and Esther connect? How do Psalms and Revelation connect? How does Matthew and Exodus connect? They do connect. Right. They all connect because God has written it in that in that way. And so doing the hard work of that, it does... You know, Greg, it does take time. You cannot just say, I'm going to read through the Bible like I would any other book. Right. You've got to have a different level of focus, of solitude, right. of silence, which for some people can be harder than right. others to get that. Sure. But you can't just say, well, I'm going to read the Bible and then three other books and each one I'm going to treat the exact same because we have an enemy who does not want us anywhere near the Bible. That's why you're so busy. That's why you you don't want to read the Bible, not just because... But because the enemy doesn't want you anywhere near, right. you know, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Right. And the fight for that time, just in even even reading the Bible, even just a part of your day is so important to learning about God. Right. You have to be a word person if you want to know the God of the word. Well, yeah, you know, I think that would be the first, you know, as we kind of move into some some kind of defining general steps, I would say the first thing we would both say about how to study the Bible is read the Bible. Yeah, to that's read what it. I was saying, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, it's exactly what you're saying is you have to read it. Yeah. Um, and don't mistake, well, I'm going to sit down and read Ephesians. I'm going to sit down and read Matthew. And I'm just reading through it, and I'm not really getting anything out of it with wasted time. Because you have to be yeah. familiar with it. You have to exactly. kind of, it, you're going to become familiar with it before the true depths and valleys and power of those things are going to be pulled out, right? You need to think of it like uh, your education, right? So uh, you didn't start reading it, your doctoral, you didn't read your master's or college or, you know, undergrad degree or whatever level when you were in third grade. You were still working on fully understanding how to read a work and pull out the meanings of it. You have to become familiar with it. Just reading it is not a waste of your time. Yes. You need to move beyond that after a time. 
Yep. But you need to be familiar with it. You know, I would say for most Christians, I would say you want to start in the New Testament. You want to fully understand who Jesus is and you want to begin to move into the Old Testament, into places that help you build out that historical reality, like RD's saying. You know, um, when you sit down to read um, the different genres within the Bible, you know, we're going to get into some things here, but yep. there's different ways to think through them because the Gospels are trying to teach you who Jesus is. That's what they're doing. So when you read it, you're learning who Jesus is. Well, if you go to one of the prophets, you know, Habakkuk or Haggai yep. or one of these guys, um, while they are so profitable and so good, you're going to have to do an equal amount of work of understanding the history, what's going on in Israel or Judea, where are we, what's about to go down, who's the king, yep. to really get those books. Yep. Now, you can. there's plenty of stuff in them that you can get. I'm not saying you're wasting your time reading those books, but you're going to have to do a lot more work to study them than you're going to have to do to read one of the Gospels or one of Paul's um, epistles. Yeah, I think knowing that there are different multiple genres within the Bible and how to read, reading poetry is different than reading history, is different than reading prophecy. And sometimes it's not as obvious in the English language where those changes are. And so that's why it can be challenging to understand, well, Psalms may be more obvious, but other books, it's harder to figure out. This is totally different, but I can't quite figure out how. It's knowing the different genres of the Bible. But I would just, I'd echo what you said, Greg. That, that you know, principle one is the Bible is the book by God and for God. Right. Principle two is to know this God who wrote it. Uh, he wanted to be revealed, not through a movie. Not through only nature, but he wrote a book right. that we could discover him through. Is you have to actually read it, and that is something that is so important. And to then through reading it become dependent uh, on it. And I just say one thing: you know, some people are like, "Well, I'm not a reader. I don't really read." Right. And I would, I am a reader, so my sympathy for those people is very low. <laughs> but still, I understand that. I'm not saying that you have to read at the level other people do, or you have to get through the Bible in a year. I don't even like that program, which I'll talk about later. But it is not something valid to say because you're not a reader that you you can read, right? In our context and culture, you can read. And even that is maybe something of a discipline you need to cultivate to read God's word. Even right. if you just struggle, it just is not how you encounter God. You need to be disciplined in reading through God's word. Even if it's in small chunks, just do something to encounter him through his word. And doing it day by day will actually soften your heart and change you. And don't feel like you have to be like someone else when it comes to reading the Bible. So I would echo that and I would also just be maybe a challenge on those who just feel like I struggle to connect with God through reading. Right. I get that. Right. So, totally get it. Anyway, what else is on? You know, you say another one. Greg? I uh, there's a there's a couple of articles I would recommend to you that I'm going to reference through this. Uh, but one of the first ones I would say is there's an article basically how to study the Bible by Matt Smethurst. Smethurst oh, yeah. on the Gospel, Gospel Coalition. Coalition. He has three principles, I think, that are good starting places Great. for how to study the Bible. It's basically to ask yourself three questions. Um, those three questions are, what does it say? What does it mean? How do I respond? Yep. Those are the th those are the three questions when we start reading the Bible we want to dig into. Mm. So what does it say? What does it mean? How do I respond? Yeah. So the first thing, you know, is that what does it say? And this is where 
uh, one of those big fancy terms you'll often hear pastors or people talk about exegesis comes in. This is where when you're reading the text, you're trying to get what does the author mean when he writes this. Um, One of the the really good principles for Bible study, I think that we have to to really um, push into is we have to let the text drive us, not let our assumptions drive the text, Yeah. right? So when we get reading a passage um, and we have to go, okay, I have to let my assumptions fall the wayside. I have to let the text form my questions yeah. and dismiss my questions. Yep. So you pick up the Bible, you read one verse, it can reinforce all of your presuppositions. It can reinforce your worldview. It can reinforce all kinds of things. But when you read a chapter or you read the whole of an argument, all of a sudden you go, well, that's not exactly what he's talking about at all. That's <laughs> does, That verse actually doesn't reinforce yep. what I was saying at all. Um, you hmm. have to let the text drive you. Totally agree. That's so important. You know, it's uh, some of my favorite book on Bible studies, Jen Wilkins' book, uh, Women of the Word, which is really a great book, even though the title may seem like it's only for women. It's a great book on um, studying the Bible, the best one that I've read. And she has similar thing. Hers is comprehension, what does it say? Interpretation, what does it mean? And application, how should it change me? Right, so the same three things. So the same, which I think is a great, if you're trying to keep it simple, Right. those are as three basic, and yet it covers it as much as you might need it to cover as anything would. Because right. there's so many Bible study methods out there. There's so many. I Simpler, reproducible right. is just better, and yet not sacrificing depth for that. And and she has in hers, she has. I she just prints out, like get a printed copy of the text, and I, I like writing on it as well. Read through it multiple times. Um, write down questions or certain words or phrases or ideas repeated. Is a particular attribute of God described? Does the text make several points in a row? Are there words you don't understand? And seeing what it says, because so often, she talks about this in the book, so often we want to jump to what does it mean for me? Right. What does it mean in my context? Because right. no. why does it even matter with the old? Like we're in, and she says, you cannot go there. You have to start with you know, learning in the context. You don't have to become an expert or have a PhD in the original languages, but that's why having a study Bible, Greg, I always recommend you know, maybe doing a deeper dive in a book and getting a commentary on that book. Right. And there's some really well-written ones that can help. They aren't going to bog you down. Right. They're actually going to bring things to light to make you love the Lord more and the Bible more, not make it more academic and more like, well, this just muddies the water. There are great resources out there we can talk about at the end. But anyway, starting with what does the text say in its context is vital. And if you skip that for the other two, you're actually going to sacrifice a lot. Right. You know, I would say in the same way that we've already kind of talked about when you're doing this, what do I, what does it mean? Uh, one of the things you have to begin to build yourself out into is an understanding of the Bible is a historically developing revelation of God. Yeah. Right. So when you are reading, uh, if you decided I'm going to read Genesis, or I'm going to read Exodus or, or whatever, or I'm going to read Matthew or I'm going to read Romans, it's historically developing and so you can't read into yeah. you can't read into Genesis what you can read you know what you're reading in Matthew. Yeah. Now there are places where the Bible will go back and go, well, actually, what was happening at that point 
is this. Yeah. And that's when you can come back and go, okay, now I can start saying this. Because, you know, when you go to seminary, they're going to teach you several rules. And one of those rules is that the Bible interprets the Bible and yep. only the Bible interprets the Bible. So when we're at a place where you're going, okay, the, this, this passage in the New Testament is giving me clarity to this Old Testament passage. That's great. But when you read that Old Testament passage, you need to let it stand in where it is and let it fill out. Yeah. Because, you know, there's a there's an extent to which, as crazy as it sounds, you have to read Paul to understand what Jesus really means, not Matthew or Luke. Yeah. As crazy as that sounds, you're like, well, wait a minute, that's Jesus actually talking. You're going, well, no, that's one of those guys writing down what they remember Jesus doing at the time. Yeah. And one of the things that Jesus is constantly saying to them is, you don't understand what I'm saying yet. <laughs> you don't get this. You, you know, can't get it yet. You yeah. can't get it. You don't have the Holy Spirit yet. Understand where you are in the Bible and let the ideas develop themselves where they are. Mm. You know, that's that's part of the the, the goal. Yes. You know, when you're getting into Jesus's words, you're getting into uh, Old Testament words, you need to follow the narrative as it's going along. Yeah. What yep. do they know about God at the time? What system are they operating under? Yep. Are they under the law? Do they still... Are they still in the sacrificial yep. system? This kind of stuff. I think that's so important. This is not a you know a perfect you know, comparison, but if you're reading through you know a like the Chronicles of Narnia or Lord of the Rings or even Harry Potter, Greg, then oh my God, what I have know, you done? I know, I'm so what sorry. Have you done? You know, and you pick up in verse or verse in book four or five, right? There are things that have happened in that where you will be totally lost. But then in book one of any of those, they're not even close to that. Right. And so it, as it develops, different things come into your mind. So we get that, I think, in a sense of progressive revelation right. um, is something that the Bible, that Paul is interpreting through the Holy Spirit, not in his own, right. what Jesus is meaning and saying. So he brings clarity to the biographies of Jesus. And in that way, he brings more clarity on what the gospel is, right. you know, what justification means. And in the same way, the gospel writers, the New Testament writers bring more clarity to the Old Testament writers. And so I think that is helpful and will help you be less lost right. in that. So then after that, you, you can move to what does it mean? That's important to move to what, right. what does it mean? Um, but not just what it means to you personally, right. though it can be, obviously the Bible is going to mean things to you personally, but that can't be the... Uh, the only goal. Right. You've got to be reading the Bible in a community of people, with others, with those. You need to be learning the Bible, being at a healthy gospel preaching church where you're hearing the Bible taught, where I would also, dare I say, be at a church that teaches through books of the Bible. Yeah. Greg, Yeah, <laughs> I think gonna, that's important. I'm just going to give that a harumph. So <laughs> not all the time, but needs to be if every series is just taking verses out of context. What you're doing is... Maybe it seems more relatable at the front end, but no one is literally learning how to read the Bible and right. connect verses to each other. So what does it mean in the context of community, doing it at a gospel Bible preaching church that's helping you read through that? And not just, again, we want to individualize things so much. And there are personal benefits for you to take, but you can, the end goal is not, what does this mean just for me in my life, especially if I'm 20 or 23 now I know this is the final word that God has for me. Right. That is not a healthy way to read the Bible and not what 
you know, God desires you to encounter him in that way as. Right. You know, one of the, one of the kind of fancy words that people use about trying to discover what does the Bible mean is the word inductive. And you hear this a lot. And so some people go, well, I don't really know what yep. that is. So basically there's two reasoning styles. One is deductive and one is inductive, right? So what's the difference? Uh, the difference is where you start from. Deductive means you've started from big, huge principles yep. and worked your way down to a specific thing. Inductive is I've started from a specific thing and I work my way up. Yep. And so the reason that people who study the Bible and who think through these things talk about being inductive is because you need to start with the text that you've read and then work your way out so that you are not bringing in yeah. your worldly paradigms and understandings to the text. You let the text set the general, not the other way around. Mm -hmm. So if you're reading you know, uh, Jesus's words in the gospels where he's saying, um, you know, narrow is the road to salvation and very few will find it. And your commitment is, well, inclusivity as many people, everybody yeah. needs to go. You're going to go, well, this is not what he means. Instead of going, this is totally what he means. And then expand from and that. having to work your way yeah. through and going, wait a minute, this is exposing some of my assumptions, yep. when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and life, no one comes to the Father except through me. Some of these more, um, con dare I say, controversial, which is a joke. <laughs> They're not, they shouldn't be controversial. Some of yep. these principles that we find in the scriptures, you start with this and work your way out and let them set the definitions for what all of our, our general standards are going to be, not the other way around. That's, yeah, that's very helpful. Um, and... And just, again, where do you start dictates everything. Having a map, then, of where you want to go uh, and understanding that, having a process by which you're discerning this, again, letting the text drive everything, cross-referencing verses, grab a Bible that has cross-references in it because there's so much that you may not even be aware of and other verses that bring light to it for what it, what it means today. And that's the beautiful thing of the Bible, unlike other books, is that it's written to a specific people. It's not written to modern-day Americans, right. you know, wherever you are. International listeners, Greg, That's right. wherever you may be listening. That's right. UK, China. All across the world. All across the world. We see you. You matter. <laughs> uh, but wherever you are listening to this, it's amazing how the Bible works and that it's written in across multiple centuries, largely in the, in the Middle East, and yet it does, through the Holy Spirit, still apply just as authoritatively today. Right. Uh, and yet it speaks to us today in still profound ways. And so in that way, yes, it, it can mean things to you. But again, if you're saying, I read this once or I took this from it or here's what I already thought about God, and then then you're not actually encountering the God of the Bible. You're encountering your own self. Right. And you're throwing God kind of randomly in there. But right. that's not actually, that's the hard work of actually disciplining yourself. Right. And which is hard in anything is, is you're always going to read the Bible with some of your own lens. Everybody does. But there's ways to just make that lens more gospel focused and Holy Spirit driven than all of your assumptions coming with it from your college, from your background and saying, well, this is obviously what Paul meant. Right. Well, it's not obvious. It's obvious to you. But does anyone else agree with you? If they don't, 
then maybe you are not the one who has now discovered right. you have this not new discovered. truth. Right. So yeah. anyway. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. And I think that you know, that was actually going to be the next thing I was going to say, which is as you move into your Bible study um, and you kind of hit start hitting kind of new plateaus you want to explore, one of the things to really look through is, you know, Christianity is almost 2,000 years old and has a deep historical yeah. record. And so thinking through your interpretation of a passage Looking at, did the church always think this? Did it not? Why did it not? Where was, was there a time when they didn't think this, but now they do? Yeah. You know, all all of these kind of notions. And um, it can be really rewarding to go through and say, God, there was a dude, there was a dude in 450 AD that is writing the exact same thing that you would read yeah. in a book, to, you know, 1500 yep. years later. That's oh, they agree. This is exactly what you said. You're right. You're, <laughs> this is totally what they said. You know, it's not supposed to be confusing, right? God did not write it. There's mystery in it, and there are ways in which we can dialogue about certain issues, of course. But God did not write the Bible for it to be confusing, right? For it to be always with new revelation, you know, always. Well, now, and I think in our culture, that just becomes so in vogue, like it was in the early first century, the right. sense of the new knowledge and. That's just to go simply to the Bible and with your mind, and yet there's so much that God has revealed, and they're, they're reliable men and women who've gone before us that will also can guide us right. in some of these understandings. Right. You know, go ahead. Yeah, no, it's, a, it's amazing to me. You know, when you, if you go back and listen to the old, the old podcast, one of the things we talked about uh, that you would, if you were in a seminary class, what you'd be taught is perspicuity. Pers- pers- which is means essentially clear, even though the word perspicuity is not essentially clear. Seminary. Yeah. It just means that the Bible's clear. It's yeah. easy. To, it, you can understand it. You won't like it, but it's you can understand <laughs> what it's saying. It's not a confusing book. It's not no. hard. It will lead you to places. It will lead you to cul-de-sacs where God is essentially saying, I can take you this far. Yeah. This is as far as we're going. Yep. But... One of the one of the things that we have to truly educate ourselves into is the notion of if there wasn't a Bible or if God didn't condescend, you could know nothing about God. Nothing. The only things you know about God are things he has revealed about himself. So the Bible becomes the only avenue through which we can truly know who God is. Yeah. Now, we take that knowledge of who God is that, that our cultures gleaned from the Bible through millennia and through the world's gleaned through the Bible through millennia and just start twisting them to yeah. fit better versions. But when the Bible says God is love, and then we start going, well, that means he, he loves the way that we think love should be. That's totally false. Yeah. I mean, nowhere, the Old Testament God that you read him telling Israel, hey, go into this land and kill every single person that's in this land, and kill all their animals too, and kill everything, is the God who is love. Reconcile that. <laughs> I'm here to make things perspicuous. Dr. Greg Pinkner, as always, making it darker and darker. Thank you, Greg. Appreciate that, as always. It's what I do. I know. You do it so well, sadly. <laughs> Uh, the last piece on this, comprehension, interpretation, uh, the, the CIA method application is getting into not just to know, you know, I think Tim Keller says it this way, there's, there's understanding the Bible 
and then they're standing under the Bible. Right. And it's how does it change you? And that we were kind of referencing a little bit as we kind of are building this case of knowing the story, comprehending it, you know, what does it mean to me? But there is this powerful truth of it's supposed to change you. And it's supposed to make you more like God's son, Christ, who was someone steeped in, in the word, who knew the word, uh, the Old Testament scriptures. And so in, th- in that way, there is this, this beauty to the word that it reads us right. and it changes us. And it wants to teach not just you individually, but your family something and our church something that scripture is alive and active and it is a sword of the spirit. It's that active part of defense against the enemy and against um, the powers and principalities. It's what Jesus uses in the wilderness and says, it is written, it is written, you shall not steeped in um you know, God's words we've talked about before, you know, the first attack of the enemy is to go against God's word. Right. And so God's word is always under uh, assault. And yet it's not just something to just know that it's true. It's something the truth changes you. Right. Because it is the truth that, that brings you into greater freedom. And that is something that I love everything about the Bible, but something I'm so thankful for how God basically rigged the world this way. Right. That the Bible is something that when you read it, you meet a person, and that's so powerful. Yes, absolutely. You know, I think uh, let's move into some tools. Yeah, it's a great some, segue yeah, to great, ways in which it does change us. How can it change us? Right, you know. Um, so I think I think the first thing we'll start with, in our previous Bible podcast, one of the things we did was talk about the differences in translations. Yep. And I would fundamentally say that exposing yourself to different translations is going to help your Bible study especially if you err on the side of more inflated translations. I don't mean that in a bad way, uh, but there are Bible translations that really work on trying to make the language as common as possible, and then they put in extra words to try to bring the the meaning out. Um, And then they put in extra words to try to bring the the meaning out. Um, These are going to be things like the message or the Amplified Bible, yep. things like that. Now, those I'm not saying they're bad, but I would say you want to balance that with something like an ESV, which is going to be as more literal as possible, more the actual words. And I think if you're all ESV, you want to add in other spectrums to help fill in how you're thinking through things and how yep. you see things. Yeah, I agree with that. I love the NIV and love the ESV both. They're different. I read the message uh, every once in a while. And just simply, if you're like, how do I even just, you can go to Bible Gateway. Right. Uh, and they have all, I mean, more translations than you could ever imagine there. Right. And I think having, though, just comparing it can be can be good. I use the ESV. Um, it translates it word for word uh, within reason, but it's it's very readable. And then I also have the NIV that is a bit more readable. And so those right. two together are a great kind of one-two punch for really being in the Word a lot. And sometimes I look at the message because it just can be really unique how Eugene Peterson kind of paraphrases it. It's a paraphrase on an actual translation, right. which is why using it with an actual translation uh, is so important. But I, I'd say ESV or NIV would be really solid for you to be in the Word, in a study Bible again, just some help that's right there in the text, right. not having to just go to another book can also be really helpful as well. Yeah, I think talking about study Bibles is also helpful. I think 
The great help of a study Bible is the readily available cross-references. A cross-reference is where you're looking in the middle of the passage on the physical page, and it has three or four, you know, passages to look at. If you're looking at this verse, here's three or four more passages that are linked. Um, I think those are very helpful. As far as the the sections where they kind of talk about things, you know, the maps are great, and some of the, the some of the uh, illustrated things are great. But when you get into the commentary thing, I think one of the things that's important to do, and as we kind of can segue into talking about commentaries, is to realize that even though it's in a study Bible, it's still just one person or a group of people's opinion on that verse. Yep. Just because it's in the Bible, you have a study Bible, I think some people may look at it and go, well, this is the best version of a commentary. And that's not necessarily true. Mm, that's um, true. Uh, so, Yes, great. Use them. They can be very helpful. Um, but I wouldn't go so far as to just go, well, that's all I need. I'm totally set. Um, I agree. Yeah. You know, the more controversial a passage is, the more they'll stay away from it in study Bibles usually. Yep. And you may go to a, you may go to a, a troublesome section of Scripture and go, man, they didn't put anything in here. Well, that's <laughs> why. Because they're like, this would take eight pages. Yeah, can't you can't do, do it in a paragraph. Yeah. You know, moving on into commentaries, I would say... Um, Here's 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 kind of the same thing. Um, if you get one commentary on a book, that's great. But if you're gonna that means you're gonna have one commentary on a book. And commentaries are cr- good. Commentaries are crazy expensive. They are, and that's part of the reason that a lot of people don't get them because yeah. they're like, okay, this is one commentary on a book. $50. It's fifty bucks. Yeah, like it's, it's crazy. Just one book, right? Yeah. I th- I think that I thankfully because of our profession. We get access to that more. We and so I and Artie takes my commentaries. That is it a lie. You're lying on off no, stage. This is absolute truth. You know what? You want to throw down right now? Yeah, yeah, I do. All right. Where are my books? <laughs> so, where are my books? I'm reading them. Anyway, <laughs> my goodness, that was savage, Greg. I've been setting that up the whole time. That was. I've been, this I've whole been podcast for this was for that moment. Yeah, the podcast is over. I built it. We did the whole podcast for that. Okay, moment. let's go get Rick. He's going to referee this right now. Okay, what was I even saying? You were talking about that we have access to more commentaries, and I have yeah. access to your commentaries. Right. <laughs> That's what I was saying. Right. Yeah. Thank you, Greg, a yes. true teaching pastor who shares. <laughs> Not really. I just steal. So I, I, uh, we have access to that. But I, I when I recommend, you know, people ask, and I have a commentary, and I'll kind of recommend a few, and usually it's like. Are there any others? Like, are there some others <laughs> some that are that not like twenty bucks? Yeah, yeah, and there are a few out there. But I agree. I, I think that I honestly would say just just ask a pastor to read. If they have to pick one, there are some caveats. Then then just go for that. Pick a longer book. Pick a gospel. You know, I think that's so important. Um, but get get it a variety of of commentaries if you if you can. Right. You know, maybe just pick one book a year to dive into deeply. Right. Still read other books of the Bible, but then you're not like, well, what about am I gonna go through six books this year? Right. Don't worry about, you know, those type of things. So I think those are helpful. A study of Bible again, I do think is so huge. Uh, again, with some of the caveats that that Greg said, but letting the Bible interpret the Bible, which is why the cross references are so huge. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, as far as commentaries go, um, the public library actually can be helpful here, crazily enough, because of the inter inter library loan, loan system. system. Yeah. If you found a commentary that you really wanted to try, you can go to your library and request that book, and they can go to all the libraries in the country, basically, yep. and borrow the book from there. 
um, if you wanted to try that. Um, people ask me all the time. Um, there are there's a commentary system that I particularly am fond of, uh, the New International Commentary System, which is different from the NIV Bible version. It's just called the New International. Um, I find them to be great quality. They are pretty expensive. And then um, the commentary that I uh, really like is you find authors that you kind of, when you get enough of them, you find authors that you like. Um, F.F. Bruce. I really like F.F. Bruce. But my main guy, who if he has a commentary on the book, I'm going to get it, is Leon Morris. Uh, Love Leon Morris. The legend. Um, And this is is where it comes down to commentaries again. Even though I love... Leon Morris's books, um, and I really like a lot of F.F. Bruce's books. I don't agree with them on everything. Um, and you have to go into a commentary with that in mind, mm. that this is still just one dude writing learned doctors, doctorates in deep study and uh, enough of an academic reputation that a publishing house published their commentary. But yep. um, those would be two guys that I would recommend, especially Leon Morris. Uh, the uh, Christ-centered exposition commentary series is great. Um, there's, they have a, I think it's a growing. It's they're releasing some every year. It's the Christ-centered exposition commentaries where they work through books of the Bible in a gospel-centered, Christ-centered way. No matter, they have several Old Testament books, so it's not just like the Gospels, but really uh, reputable authors where they'll take Exodus or Leviticus or Ruth and just work through the text itself. And then also how it connects to Christ, because that is not as obvious, you know, but he's there because, you know, through the word of God, the word of God is written, Jesus being the word. And so I love that. It's simple to read uh, that. And yet it's deep and profound and just connecting it to Christ um, in ways that are responsible and helpful without forcing Christ in every single shadow. Right. But he is there connecting to, to it all. And those books are really, really Helpful. I agree with the ones that uh, Greg said. I just a commentary I read last year was uh, Frederick Bruner's on the Gospel of Matthew, which was it rocked him. It was it was amazing. So I highly recommend uh, that. I just took it. You know, for me, Greg, I took the Gospel of Matthew last year and took the whole year. Yeah, to read through it and just didn't force it. And um, it was so worshipful for me, honestly. Not every single time, but just things I gleaned. And I did some other scripture reading throughout last year as well, but I just slowed down in that way. And I think God spoke in ways if I just was was rushing through it, which on my pet peeve on reading through the Bible in a year, Greg, right? which I'm not against. It's not sinful at all. I, I have found when you read through the Bible in a year, the pace that which you have to keep it up means most people aren't going to do it. And when they quit doing it, they get out of reading the Bible completely anyway for right. a long period of time. And even if they can keep up for a long period of time, you are having, I personally think, Greg, you have to race through so much scripture, you cannot meditate and digest it. Right. And for most people, there's not margin to then read through another book slowly right. in addition to the Bible in a year. So if if you're unique and can do that, I, I personally just kind of say, you don't have to read through the whole Bible in a year, you know. Right. You don't. You don't have to read slow. Read for comprehension. Read for quality, not just quantity. That you can encounter God, and not having to go through four chapters in Genesis when you're like, "There's so much here," but I'm in Exodus. I hope right. that, and I won't be there again till next February. I think for me, what's been so for me is slow, methodical Bible reading 
where I can encounter God there versus trying to feel like I have to finish a book in a month. Right. Otherwise I'm not truly getting through enough of the Bible in a year. Yeah. You know? So that's yeah, me personally as maybe a different take on that. But again, like we said, just read through the word with reliable, you know, um, reliable ways. Yeah. You know, I'll give this out just as a little tip. It's not something that's going to be accessible to most people and nor should it necessarily be, but uh, Logos Bible study software, um, which can get very expensive very yep, quickly, it can. Um, is an incredible, incredible Bible study tool. Um, it comes prepackaged with all kinds of different commentaries and ways yep. to look up the original languages and give you explanations and things like that. Um, it it gets very expensive very fast. But um, if you were somebody that really wanted to dive in, you it might be something to work towards and yeah. think, man, maybe I, maybe this is a place yeah, to go. It's a game changer. Yeah, it, it totally is. You know that that thing is. Um, you know, Greg, I'll I have a couple concluding ideas that we kind of wrap yeah. up is, you know, I think for a lot of you listening, uh, you have young families. Yeah. And you think, my goodness, I can barely listen to this this podcast, which thank you for spending time with yes. us at Offstage and saying no to your kids so you can That's listen right. to us. I, I do know that, you know, I have young kids and sometimes young kids, get, you know, if you have a baby, you have kids that get up really early and you're thinking, I can, like, you know, where on earth, where do, this is not, right. I can barely, I am just dying here. I, 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 I know I need the word, Greg. I know I need to be in it, but I just can't. It's the first thing to go. And, right. I, and I feel guilty about not being in it. And so I'll let you respond to that as well, Greg. But I'll just say this, you know, I, I one, I would say, give yourself grace for the season you're in. Right. And having young kids... It does not mean to not be in the Word because you need to be in the Word, but you don't need to compare your time in the Word with someone whose kids are older, right. who doesn't have kids, and say, well, it has to be equal because, say, if you, maybe you have an audible Bible and it's just listening for now in, in carpool, in driving, it's being disciplined in that. It's, you know, maybe it's honestly not feasible to get up earlier than your kids if they're getting up at 5.30. Right. And you're like, for my own health, I, I cannot get up at 5 and right. still function. And say, then don't force it. But before you go to bed, read a, a chapter of the Bible. Listen to it. Uh, there's a great app called the Dwell app on the iPhone and, and just these really different international voices of people reading scripture that is I love doing. Um, I just think there are ways to not bite off more than you can chew and as a parent, and my wife and I have little kids, we need the word so much. Right. And I think busyness for us, we're so busy, but we try and pray together and read through scripture separately, sometimes together. But I'll be the first to admit, I am not always able to get in the word every day. And you know, that's my wife. We just are not. But it's right. about that next day. Do you get in the next day? Do you not just wallow in this? Well, I didn't. Now just get just find time to get in the word and as your life opens up you'll have more time but don't just kind of chuck the young family years and say I'll get to it one day because I don't know if you will come back to it again one day right what would you say Greg you've got young kids and yeah advise you know, a lot of people about um, it I will uh, I'll echo a lot of what RD's already said and and also hit back with the uh, something we said at the very start which is professionally we also live in a different world than probably, you know, everyone listening to the podcast. And we, we recognize that. Um, but at the same time, I'll also say, actually, 
we don't because there is a difference between when I'm in the Bible for me in my life and when I'm in the Bible for work. Um, that may sound crazy. You make a well, still You're still in the Bible, so it's the same thing. It's really not. Yeah. When I'm working on a sermon, um, the way I interact with texts is so wildly different than how I'm reading it when yep. I'm trying to know God more yep. and, and, and find who Jesus is a little bit more. So mm. they're very different. They can overlap sometimes for sure, but uh, it's just totally different. Yep. Um, but I would say um, for me in my years as a Christian, the truth is, and I don't say this to condemn anybody, I, I, speaking of my life, which is true for your lives as well. That is gospel. <laughs> That's gospel. Is the truth is you have time for what you prioritize. That's the truth. Um, you know, when the person who uh, is saying, I just don't have time to read the Bible, but knows everything about every version of every one of the Real Housewives franchises. Why are you going to do me like that, Greg? Well, you know, I'm trying to I'm help right you. here. I'm trying to help you. We are going to fight for real. Okay. Listen, that is a great next show. version of Offstage is, is, is going. Um, but, you know, for me, in my young adulthood and even in my marriage before we had kids, it was like, gosh, I just, I, man, I can't, I don't have time for the Bible today. Yeah. Well, you played video games for two hours today. Like, what? It, that was crazy, you know? Amazing how you didn't have time for that, but you, you cleared that level. You did that. Um, <laughs> it's, it's the truth. It is. is the truth. It's, it's about prioritizing it. And here's the, here's the other thing. When I find myself, dis, when I discipline myself to start studying the Bible, it becomes my joy. And then it becomes priority because I go, I'm not missing this. I'm not going to miss this. You time. have to do it. Yeah. I, I'm in a good held yeah. in a good way to do it. Yeah. Um, it's worth, it is worth getting over that hump of that trying to, f I've got to do it. I got to do it to dig into it because it becomes a fuel for the change in your heart that you really want to see because the Holy Spirit's screaming from you inside of you and he's not ever going to be quiet or tired yeah. calling for you to fought to find that voice, to call back to yeah. it. Yeah. You know, I, I got off of all social media around Christmas time for the full month of January and I'm still off it pretty much all the time now. I'll, um, it's not like a hardcore rule now. But I just found in myself, Greg, even as a pastor, and even being in the Word, I wasn't not in the Word, but, and this, I think, speaks to a lot of us today, I was so unable to focus in the Word. Right. I was so distracted. And the Lord, I just felt like, was gracious and to say, because you're on your phone too much for me. And you're, you're, just, you're, th you're thinking about so many things when you're in the Word to accomplish, to get done, to be efficient in. Even you're approaching the word in that way just to get through it. And there's so many time wasters that you're prioritizing oh time for. Oh, gosh, yes. And uh, that's like where Apple sends you, you know, your screen time on Sunday morning. Right. Because someone there has an evangelical bent to them. Right. We joke about that a you lot. You know, Tim Cook is like Sunday morning. Not Friday night. Right. Sunday morning. No, thank you. you. Thank Here you, Tim is. Cook. Okay. But I do think, I, and so for me, Greg, just as an example, and someone that has a young family, has a full-time job, a thousand things going on, and yet there were things in my daily life that were expendable so that I could be in the Word more right, and could be with my family more. And I would just encourage you, like, like Greg said, if it's Instagram or Twitter, it's easy things to pick on, but my goodness, they're easy because um, we're in them so much. And as John Piper 
he said, he said, one of the great uses of Twitter will be at the last day to prove that prayerlessness was not for lack of time. And same for Bible reading. Gosh, It's not for lack of time. There are different levels of time maybe you can give in different seasons of your life, but you have the time if you will choose to say, Lord, I want to delight in your word. Right. Like the, the Holy Spirit brings the river that will flow through you, and in season, the fruit will come. And I can tell you, even in, in six, whatever this airs, um, by the time it airs, will be at least two and a half months probably of just being really outside of social media and having more time in the Word. Your Word compelling is so right, Greg. It is a discipline that has become a joy because it's an encounter with God where I am less distracted and can hear Him, right. which is not just for my joy, but for other people around me who get more of me right. and more of Christ in me than iPhone RD, right. if that makes sense. Right. And so that's my encouragement and challenge to all of you is to be people who not just know the word, but do the word, and who not just do the word, but love the word and love the God of the word who's revealed it to us that we can know him and know the love he has for us and for all the world. Yeah, Greg, how might you sum up today? You know, I, man, so much of that, Artie, I would just so amen. Um, you know, I my conversion story is one of Bible study. Hmm. Um, not of a momentary decision, not of um, this kind of flash in the pan moment. I, I had a moment, I had an experience with the Holy Spirit um, where I knew that I was supposed to become a Christian and I was supposed to become a a patch, a preacher at the hmm. same, the same moment, yeah. like, you know, almost kind of like this Pauline yeah. struck moment. But because I had been raised Jehovah's witness, there were theological things that I couldn't get through. Yeah. And it very much became me having to immediately learn how to dive in, how to study, how to, how to work through these things. Well, yeah. You know, when people joke about my preaching, they go, man, you love John and you love Romans. And I'm like, well, guess what converted me? You know, John and Romans. So deeply impactful. Yeah, and, and yeah. I've been studying those those two books now uh, for 31 years. Um, wow. Well, I guess coming up, yeah, right around 32 years coming up here in the summer. And, um, wow. and shout out to all you people going, man, I'm not even 32 years old. Yeah, okay, thank you for that. Um, <laughs> Keep shouting. Yeah, keep shouting. Shout, email Thanks. them. Appreciate Tell that. Them. Appreciate that. But um, <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, the word it, it's and they never get old. There's no thirty two years in. There's no end to the mystery and grandeur of it. There's no bottom. Yeah, keep keep going. There's no bottom keep because going. God keeps going. Oh well, you know, last time you studied through Romans. You really understood the righteousness plane, but this time I'm going to show you so the true. justice plane or the glory plane so or true. the, I'm going to take your understanding of justified deeper, or I'm going to, you know, if you're in John, I'm going to show you the, the, the revelation of my son and who, yeah. what I'm doing in him in the Jewish eyes or in the Gentile eyes, or it, there's so no true. bottom, there's no bottom to yeah. it. And the more you study it, and the more you begin to realize that, the more you will become absolutely and thoroughly and wildly convinced that a human being did not write those books. There's no way. Impossible. Yeah. Um, there's no way that those that finite of books, of works, are that infinitely deep in yep. their 
in their understandings, in their in their teachings. So I, I just can't encourage you enough. It is worth every second of your time. Well, thanks so much for listening to us today on Offstage, as always. So great to have you. Thanks for listening and uh, just coming to spend some time with us. We're so grateful for you all. And uh, thank you so much and look forward to seeing you next time Offstage. Take care. Thanks for listening to Offstage today. Please consider helping us spread the word about Offstage by giving us a ranking or review wherever you get your podcasts. We would also appreciate any reviews of an episode you would share on social media. If you have questions or ideas for future episodes, feel free to email us at offstage at fellowshipknox.org. I want to give a special shout out to Scott Bradford, the engineer who makes so much of the podcast happen and getting it out and just helping it sound the way it should sound. And also to Megan Allen, who has all the show notes on the podcast page. She does a really great job on uh, just filling in all the detail of the episode. So really shout out to those guys for helping make me offstage what it is. 